0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the number one Imagine Dragons fan podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And introducing, or I should say, welcoming back to the show, our very first return guest speaker of uh, all the way from our episode on Your Name. Welcome back, Jess. How are you doing?
1: Good. I'm chilling.
0: Perfect. Well, today we are talking about the Netflix original series, Arcane, created by Christian Link and Alex Yi. The series premiered in November 2021 and is based on the multiplayer online battle arena, or MOBA, game League of Legends by Riot Games. The story follows two sisters, Vi and Powder, in the steampunk city of Piltover, a land of technology that shuns magic. The two work to survive in the Undercity, the slums of Piltover, and run a thieving operation that targets the rich, but when the two steal a crystal capable of harnessing immense magical power, they kickstart a war between the Undercity and Piltover that threatens to tear the city apart. The series has received critical acclaim from both casual viewers and those who have played League of Legends, and the show set a record as the highest rated show the week it was released on Netflix, with critics lauding the music... Story and the animation. And as always, there will be spoilers. So, we're at an interesting position right now, uh, seeing that we did Dota 2 Dragon's Blood a couple of episodes ago, or 20 episodes ago, in that we're in the exact opposite position because uh, Michael and I have both played League of Legends, whereas Iris, Marcus, and Jess. Have not. So we're going to have some interesting perspectives here. And I'm going to start off with mine. So I used to play League of Legends. I think Michael introduced it to me uh, in high school. And we would play on the weekends. And I was the type of person who fell in love with the lore of the League of Legends world. Um, Even when the gameplay started to become really bad and really repetitive, um, I would... Like read the side stories they'd put out on their website, because the lore of League of Legends was really fascinating. It's a really amazing world that has all these moving parts, and it's connected through this online overarching story that made the game bearable while I was playing it. Uh, And so I was very surprised when Arcane was announced, because it seemed to me this was the the video game series that people were asking for. I mean, people would always say in, like, the Overwatch animated shorts that, oh, they need to make a movie of just these animated shorts. Uh, It would be amazing. And I was cautiously optimistic. And I say cautiously optimistic because uh, the League of Legends crew at Riot Games has a tendency to ham things up, make things really cheesy... Uh, For example, all the champions in the game have these, like, terrible, terrible one-liners that are, like, for 11-year-old kids, only they think it's funny. Uh, I think Vi's intro, whenever you click on her, she's like, punch first, ask questions while punching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was afraid that it would have been, like, a really one-note show, like, just kind of pandering. Uh, So when I started to watch it, I was very, very impressed. I think Episode 3 sold it for me as the mo- the best written episode, and I'm going to talk about that later. But needless to say, I was blown away by Arcane. It's an amazing show, and I'd recommend it for anybody who is interested in it, even those who haven't played League of Legends. Uh, but yeah, what about the rest of y'all? What is your history with League of Legends if you have some. And what did you first think about Arcane?
2: Yeah, Alex, this show is awesome. Uh I've been thinking about this for a while now. I at least in terms of animated shows, I used to have a favorite animated show. It was Avatar the Last Airbender. I'm still not entirely sure if Arcane has dethroned Avatar the Last Airbender, but right now they're they are like up there and tied
3: those are it's, that's big praise
2: i know it's i i've been like thinking about that in a while and i'm like this is better than any other animated show i've ever seen in my life except for maybe avatar the last embedded like that's what i've been saying to myself this entire time and that's not to say even that a lot of live action shows even take that spot for me there are a couple of shows up there that i have to put up there just because of nostalgia factor but arcane is definitely just in my like top five if not top three shows of all time ever And the reason being is not even the fact that I played League before. Honestly, I knew very little about the League lore going into this. I knew about Jinx and Vi or whatever, but I'm pretty confident that in the game, they're not even sisters to begin with. Like, that's how they started. No, they
0: weren't.
2: Yeah, like, so I just went in straight fresh. I knew some stuff. Like, I knew that Jace was a person. (sighs) I was very surprised about Victor and all that stuff. (laughs) And so, and I knew some of the cities. That's, like, I knew what Piltover and Zaun was. And, but going in, it, like, it really just, it, like, it, like, sucker punched me in the gut how good this show was. I was really not expecting it to be this amazing. I thought it was going to be on par with, say, Dota's Dragon, Dota Dragon's Blood. That it was just, like, you know, it's good, and then maybe for more of this sort of entrenched community, they'd be like, oh, I get these references, these things, these things, and then, you know, there'd be a sort of uh, initial arc, and then it might, you know, carry on from there, but the first season might not be, like, amazing. But this, somehow, has just blown it out of the water for me. Like, I was telling my brother this, because he also- he's actually the one who introduced- who introduced me to League, that I'm, like, worried for season two, because I don't know how they can top this. It's- yeah, I have many more words to say that I'll say for later, but this show- especially for those who actually don't know, know the lore, I think is one of the best shows that we've seen in a long time
3: yeah yeah absolutely that's that's pretty much what i was about to say because i knew zip zero nada about the 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 league of legends lore right the characters the 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 environs the general details like nothing anything i knew was like as we were watching alex would be like oh at the tv and like i'd be like is that a thing in the game and he'd make spoilers and then not tell me um I loved this show, like to an astounding level of, like, to an astounding depth. Like this, this show, like truly blew me away. I was not expecting anything near just the the level of detail, the level of production quality, the level of intricacy that it has. I mean, like honestly, the 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 visual storytelling, the art, the 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 aesthetic, the the music, the the animation just all top notch in ways i absolutely was not going uh i was not prepared to give it credit for cuz again you know the the closest i'd say analog was Dota Dragon's Blood and in general there's been plenty of tv and movie adaptations of video games that have just not really panned out well and even when they do have critical success they're not really serious right they're sort of jokey they're fun they're comedic they're action uh this was some very legitimate drama. And in a way that, like, here's how I'll phrase it. I think that Arcane is only tangentially a League of Legends, air quotes, adaptation. I think it is only, you know, incidentally about League of Legends and that it happens to share some characters in some places. Uh, Truly, I think that this show is... One of the few examples I can think of ever of the the medium of animation being used to its fullest extent. And I am just like ecstatic about how good this is. I'm not going to make any claims of like this is my th- favorite show or my top five or whatever because that's really hard for me to to quantify and I tend to place a pretty high uh, emphasis on like shows that were influential to me as a person I don't feel like you know this show is you know only been out for a couple months now and it's hard for me to say like this has been a big thing for my personal development but like just as far as like holy shit it is well formed and well founded and well written and well constructed and just everything about it is of the highest quality A plus all around
4: all right I don't, I, I don't have to reiterate what you guys said. So I'll only have three things to say. The first thing that I'll say is that... I don't like Imagine Dragons, Alex. This is not an Imagine Dragons <laughs> fan club.
2: Oh, I'm going to get to that.
4: The second thing I'll say is that... I don't think there's really... I don't. I can't remember the last time I I've, I've felt this impressed by just raw world building and lore in an animated show. Um, I think that the this show has... You know, obviously, I've never played League of Legends, uh, so I, I am a blank slate. But as Iris mentioned, this is really only tangentially League of Legends related. Just the fact that they were able to build a world that was, you know, had League of Legends characters and places in it, but still create something from it that a new watcher who had never been familiar with it would, you know, become engrossed in is really impressive. And the third thing I'll say is that. As much as Arcane makes Dota Dragon's Blood looks like look like absolute shit, because it does,
3: Dota will forever be the better <laughs> game. And I'll end it on that. I was going to go the whole episode without getting into the squabbles. <laughs> I was going to do the whole thing without bringing that up, man. You fun. just had to. It's I've fun. given up on this argument.
1: <laughs> I, so I, <laughs> it's funny how, like, um gushing over arcane you guys are i thought it was great i thought it was fine um i usually have a list of shows i want to watch on netflix and arcane was not one of them i was making um uh cha bao with one of my <laughs> friends and he was like oh let's watch some tv and arcane was on netflix and we watched it um i think the animation quality is the one that like really hooked me in um we'll probably get into it later but it was like Jinx's Jinx's specific like animation all of her expressions like that was the thing that sold it for me that made me keep watching throughout the whole show because I wanted to watch how they animated her face um but that was the thing that got me of course it's it's an amazing show I agree with all of you but um I think the animation quality for Jinx is a really specific thing and like the best thing about the show
0: yeah, well, let's, let's dive right into our favorite moments uh, about the show or and favorite characters. Uh, and I guess I'll start off with mine. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning, episode three is probably my favorite episode uh, in the entire series, just because of how they set up uh, Jinx and Vi's conflict. And they made the conflict between Jinx and Vi very, very, very believable, very organic because on one hand, Vi doesn't want to bring Jinx along because she's like too young and she might mess up while Jinx wants to prove to Vi that she can pull her own weight. And this conflict brings uh, the two together in a horrible way in the, uh, in the fact that Jinx accidentally blows up like all of her, I guess, adoptive brothers and her adoptive father as well. And the way that the episode starts off uh, in this like dark, dank uh, warehouse full of grays moving into the blue of the, the crystal Uh, after the crystal explodes, there's like that chemical green uh, and the green is replaced by the red of the fire. That whole process in episode three is amazing. And I think the moment that sold it for me was the, Kind of like "quote unquote" final confrontation uh, between Jinx and Vi in that episode, where Jinx like walks up to Vi. She's like, "I did it! I did it! Did you see how my thing worked?" And Vi just looks at her and she's like, "That was you." And man, it because in the in the games, I already described Vi. Jinx is just like a kind of. Harley Quinn knockoff in the game. She's just crazy for crazy's sake. So that the fact that they added actual narrative behind why she is unhinged in the first place made her character all the better, especially for me as someone who was like wondering what her deal was in the game. But yeah, and I also love the fact that she's not portrayed as as just crazy for crazy's sake. She's also like smart and intuitive. She makes she just deconstructs the the crystal and makes all these crazy bombs. But yeah, I just love how they expanded on the character. And that all started from episode three for me. I guess I guess favorite character, Jinx has to be probably my favorite character. Her or Vander. I Maybe Vander. I'll go with Vander because... Vander is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I wanted to mention, Alex, before I move on to mine, that I was really glad because I did a rewatch of this a couple days ago. And I'm very, very glad that I did it. Um, one of the things that kind of struck me as a little bit out of place the first time I watched it was after Vi leaves, Vi, Clagger, and Milo leave to go rescue Vander and then and, and they leave Powder behind, right? Um, and then Powder kind of has, has this like breakdown and all of that sort of culminates in her remembering that she still has the hex crystals and um that she can like she can help right that's what her whole thing was and i know that a lot of people online kind of had a similar sentiment where it kind of felt like there was a a moment there that was like skipped that we didn't get to see her uh we didn't get to see a full development of like like of this breakdown and why that would culminate in that decision and now i think they're all wrong because (laughs) if you if you recall do you know what vi told jinx the first thing that she told her in the show, in the first episode, while well, they were, you know, scaling all the buildings or whatever, and like Jinx or Powder, sorry, is like, you know, warily going down the roof and trying to climb and trying to jump the roof. Vi is like, "Remember what I told you?" and Powder's and, and like, what and like like what did I tell you? And Powder was like, "That I was ready." And then in that moment, in the third episode, Vi says, "You're not ready." And I was like, when that hit me, because I was watched the first episode again, I was like, Oh my God, it all makes sense. <laughs> it's just so good that that third episode moment specifically like the last half slash third of that episode. is just awesome. Yeah, it's, it's what ma- sold it's me masterful. on the show. Yeah. It's, it is what sold me as well. Like I watched the first episode and I was like, this is pretty good. I watched the second episode. and I was like, okay, this is like really good. And I watched the third episode. and I'm like, all right, it's, it's over. Like, it's just, <laughs> this is the best thing to do. Um, but then, it just kept getting better. I wanted to share my actual favorite moment, which actually is just my favorite music video in this whole show, because this show is sometimes like a sequence of music videos, and it is the ending fight between Jinx and Echo in, in episode yes. 7. Yes, yes! Oh, Dynasties and Dystopia. Oh. Holy shit. Like, I can't even... It's really hard for me to put, put into words how freaking awesome that fight scene was, in like almost every level and the fight scene itself lasts five seconds it's just so good like i'm sure i have some stuff later on or maybe some other people could chime in but like that sequence of events of echo kind of like oh god like like callbacks to childhood and them playing this game and Echo, like, knowing Jinx so well that he was able to predict all of those moves and outwit her at the end. And then when he finally does get her, he can't go through with it. And then Jinx does the whole thing of blowing herself up. <laughs> it was awesome. That That is my favorite moment of this whole series. As for favorite character, I think I'm also going to go with Jinx then.
3: Well, you've just stolen, like, everyone's favorite moment. Because <laughs> uh, I was also going to mention that... Um... In you know, in lieu of trying to like figure out a different favorite moment, I will mention kind of I guess a different facet about that that sort of exemplifies one of the things I love so much about this show. Because that scene, right? You know, they are uh, they're going up to the bridge, and uh, they are you know they've got the crystal, and it's all tense and dark and gritty, and it's the scene with like. This kind of big, like chiaroscuro sort of thing. It's the darkness of the night versus these like bright whites of the searchlights, and they're just kind of jumping back and forth, and 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 there's this beautiful black and white sort of uh, visual aesthetic going on in the scene. It's gritty and it's and it's it's stark, and then we get to this fight scene, right? And all of a sudden, like a switch flips. And we are suddenly in this highly aesthetic, this highly sort of like unreal sort of space. Everything is big washes of color. Everything is like sort of this this uh, like this inverse sort of silhouette kind of visual going on. They just immediately jump into this sort of like dream space visual storytelling which is you know we it takes us a second for us to understand at least how i interpret that scene at the beginning when there's the vision of them being kids again is echo sort of like having this moment of looking into the future, trying to predict exactly what she's going to do and what he needs to do in order to beat her in this like extremely short fight. But they just they they have no qualms about diving headfirst into this as you say, a music video in many ways. It's the 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 song of which the beat is synced to this diegetic ticking of the pocket watch. It's, you know, the the intense beats. It's this like entirely different animation style and visual language that's happening here and this is one of the things i love so much about the show in so many different places is they are not afraid in the slightest to really uh exploit every little bit of possibility from the medium from their animation i mean they have so much of the show is like Here's how I'll phrase it. I think a lot of animated shows are really afraid to kind of break away from sort of this, this uh, idea of emulating a real camera and a real like scene, you know, they, they try very hard to sort of do the cinematography the way a real camera would and, you know, like show this animated world, this fictional world, sure, there's a style to it, but then they stick in that style as if that style were the real world of which they are filming king doesn't give a shit about that. They just decide, hey, we want to throw around some, like, reds and, and greens and, and blues and stuff and have this fight. We want to have, like, false color everywhere and we want to completely ignore, you know, we don't want to have this, like, dream sequence of their kids again and, you know, they're not even in the same place. Fuck it. Why not? It looks cool as hell and it still tells the essence of the story. And I think the fight scene between Echo and Jinx is sort of a perfect crystallation distillation uh, of that trend, which happens all throughout the show, all throughout the show, they are not afraid to just go wherever the fuck they want to with the animation and the visual style and the visual language, and I love that.
4: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the the ending sequence of every time the mouse or not the mouse, the monkey claps the the hex crystal, and you see some other person yes. who you know developed as the show goes on has their life irrevocably changed. You know, as a result of that single bomb going off multiple times, it is really, really well choreographed, honestly. And of course, the the Jinx and Echo scene is is another really excellent one because it's it's uh, storytelling without words, kind of dialed up to eleven or twelve. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo what Jay Wang said, and I think that the way I think the one of the, my favorite moments was when uh, Jinx is kind of hallucinating slash talking to the ghosts of. Uh, oh, my <laughs> Milo and uh Crager uh, or Clyger Crager mm-hmm. I, I don't remember um, and like you see like the it does that little like jerky thing where it like has the graffiti over their eyes or like the graffiti over the goggles like that injects some of that life into it where there is no life there and it, it's it's at the same time very unsettling and very cool and it nails Jinx's vibe you know and that, I think that's that's really cool as well I think um every scene that mel's mother is in is fucking hilarious but (laughs) the the command that she that she has over every scene that she's in is is at the same time awe-inspiring and a little bit creepy um and i i thought that that one that one scene that one scene where, where caitlin is in front of the mirror after she gets out of the shower and it pans out to the to the kind of the the thing where it's Jinx's symbol on the mirror, and then it does the slow fade from the opposite direction where she's looking in horror at the mirror, and then the background becomes more clear, and it's fucking Jinx with the purple eyes standing behind her. That <laughs> shit, I I I I, it, I it's great. I like how do these people keep coming up with this cool shit like that I've never seen before? It's in in 2021. It's crazy.
3: Yeah, no, and and you hit that you're hitting the nail on the head. And I'm even I'm just going to offer a term for this, which is visual storytelling. I think the visual storytelling that Arcane does is better than just about any other TV show I've ever seen. That much I will say, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's hard to not have Jinx be your favorite character, mostly because I think she's the most complex character. And I think it's easy to have your favorite character be a villain that's also an understandable villain, which is what Jinx is. I think Jinx, the reason why my favorite scene is a scene where, uh, I think it's the third episode where Vi leaves Powder and Powder is like, there's like a few seconds. I don't know if you remember, this is animation where it's just Powder's face. And she's just standing there and her her face just goes through like five different emotions. She's like, what did I do? Why are you leaving me? Like, I want this. She's just torn. It is the, I found myself watching it, making the same faces as her. And like, (laughs) this is why I love like any character in any show. Like this is um, like Joker, if you guys have ever watched Joker, Um, like any uh, person that like really identifies with like mental instability and depression and anxiety and a lot of things that people go through but in in a more superhero like like world where they become a villain because their powers are so amplified by their mental instability but you can still empathize with them because you yourself probably have all these feelings within you but they're you know less powerful and less destructive it's like how can you not have that be your favorite character because it's so um It's so like you, but, you know, in in this, it's just, it's crazy. And I love that scene. I love that scene. Yeah.
4: I I think I also have to highlight Soko just in the way that he, his dynamic with Jinx really brings out the best in both characters. Because, you know, Jinx is unhinged, but she is still a little girl at heart, and she can't be a little girl without the father figure. And at the same time, Silco is the evil mastermind, more or less of Zahn, but he can't be the father figure unless he has the daughter figure. And I I I think that you have to root for both of them while at the same time not wanting either of them to really well. You kind of want Jinx to to be redeemed, I guess. At the very least, you might come into the show watching hoping that happens. But you can't really root for Silco, although I guess you can maybe because maybe you want the independent nation of Zon to happen and he him to be like the the monarch of it or whatever. Like even now, I'm I'm having a hard time justifying hating these characters as villains because you
3: can't hate them as villains. They're Plus, Jinx both is hot okay <laughs> Okay, but like you can't tell me you cannot tell me that vi is not the hottest uh, excuse me no. caitlin
4: caitlin more like baitlin am i we- right
1: no young caitlin, was is bae. young caitlin was hot young caitlin was a t- caitlin...
3: teenager
1: no older caitlin was not as hot
3: Hello, and then police. jinx was
1: like 10 10 out of 10
3: i mean you're already talking to caitlin like oh jeez <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, no, I I will very briefly say that my favorite character is Vi, partially because she's, I think, very well written as a way to sort of like this central pillar around which the rest of the narrative is draped. And also because I have such a weakness for a soft butch like Vi. That being said, can we talk for a minute about like the whole... just the, 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 the father-daughter relationships around which, I mean, not always all father-daughter, because I guess Mel has her mom, but, you know, parent-daughter relationships that prop this show up in so many ways. Like, there's um, the line that Silco has, I think it's in the last episode, uh, maybe the second to last, where he's talking to the statue of Vander, and he's like, you know, all they want is Jinx, and then I get everything I ever wanted, and I can't do it. Except, you know, Jinx is hiding and waiting and thinks that he's saying he will. But he's like, is there anything so undoing as a daughter? And that feels in many ways like sort of the single, the essence of the show distilled into one line. Because from from beginning to end, it's Vander with Vi. It is Silco with Jinx. It's, um, uh, what's, what's... Jason's oh, like... mom with Jinx. Victor, <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin's
4: mom with Caitlin—that
3: well, works. No, um, Mel—that's her name. Mm-hmm. Mel and her mom, right? Uh, her name there's... is Ambessa. Ambessa, mm-hmm. uh, thank you. But like, there's just there's so many like the 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 love of a parent for a child. I guess Mel doesn't really fit into this, but the love of a parent for a child. Um, Marcus, Marcus and his daughter. Hey. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, the, the the reason that he, like, betrays Pills over and, like, is in Silco's pocket for so many years is keeping his daughter safe, right? Just this whole thing of parents trying to protect their children and getting not only themselves but everyone around them in deep shit for it. And just this, this, um, I just, I love that phrasing. Is there anything so undoing as a daughter? Alex singed and his daughter.
0: Oh, God. Stop. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I'm talking
2: you know, about. It's Jeez. getting deeper.
3: That's the spoilers,
0: Michael. Please. I know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about it at the when we talk about the ending of uh, this this series because oh boy, that ending. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we can take a little bit of time to talk about Silco and Jinx as villains of the story because I I can't really think of any other villains that have really a a big role. I guess Savika, the, the, um, the yeah. mechanical arm lady. She's a glorified punching bag, more or less. Hey,
2: no, I think that she actually has a very important part to play in the show. Oh yeah. I mean, go ahead, Michael. Well, so I think that the, okay. So this sequence occurs seven, uh, episode seven, eight, nine, where they have a meeting with, I forgot, what, are they called the drug barons? The chem barons. barons. Which, which is you.
3: such a beautifully like fantasy, <laughs> You know, you just take two words and smash them together, make that portmanteau, so everyone knows what you're talking about. So, but it yes, feels like simple. sufficiently, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, God, I,
2: I, like, Savika is, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all around Savika. First of all, I think that Savika, what her, what she did for this show was, show it. She showed Silco's flaws. Because, because here's the thing, right? There's this whole pl- underlying plot going through seven, eight, nine about one of the Cam Barons and indeed the other one as well of trying to undermine Silco and trying to like overthrow him, basically, right? They have this whole scene. By the way, at Iris, you were telling me, as literally this visual storytelling about the freaking lighter, like everything about the lighter. I want to just, I want to just pull some attention away to talk about this for a second. First of all. The Kem Baron gives Savika the lighter, and she accepts, okay? So initially, we're like, oh, she might be in some doubt too, so let's see what happens there. Then, when the Kem Barons and Savika confront Silco, the the Kem Baron guy is, like, smoking all he wants. He's, like, throwing the lighter all over the place. Basically, he's trying to assert his dominance. And then, when Savika eventually, eventually betrays the Kem Baron and, like, slashes his face off, the lighter falls to the floor, and Savika takes it. And then she uses it. And then, when Silco dies in like the last ending montage, Savika's trying to light it, and it doesn't work anymore. It's so brilliant. Like the lighter and her and Savika are like. It's like.
3: Anyway. But this is the thing about this show, right? Like the level of sheer intricacy and attention to detail and the, yeah. little, the little, the small ways in which they tell, the, they the elucidate these, these aspects of the story, right? I think this is the third time, this episode, that someone has gone into a tangent about a moment that lasted all of like 10 seconds <laughs> and then gone so in depth about how important of a moment that was. This show is nothing but those moments, yeah. right? You cannot look away for even a second because then you will miss something that's like really critical. Critical, yeah you know and not in a way that feels like forced or hackneyed in a way that's just like oh my god that's such good and satisfying storytelling on such a minute scale
2: yeah exactly and like leading into what Sil- what savika means to me is that she was able to like sh- her relationship between her and Silco is so fascinating to me because she ultimately agrees with the Chem barons right she literally says, after he cuts the guy's face in half, he's like, Silco is like, did you have any doubts whatsoever? And she, and she was like, no, but they will not be the last ones, right? So it is almost like a confrontation of Silco's flaws present and him sort of having a rebuke in the sense that in that moment, it also leads into his meeting with Jace to negotiate peace with Piltover. So... So basically, it's like Silco this entire time has been worrying about one thing only. It's been Jinx this whole time. All he cares about is Jinx, and Savika is the reminder that Silco has a responsibility to his dream of the nation of Zon. And that is what carries him into his conflict of him going to Jace, being like, we want Zon, okay? And Jace coming back with, just give me Jinx. And so what Savika was able to do was Savika was able to surface the true responsibility that he has against his more innate responsibility at this point of, of taking care of Jinx. And so we have these two characters like this, and because they're on the same side, and because they eventually, they ultimately, like, are partners in a sense, you have this super interesting sort of locus of drama between the two of them and you're questioning like okay like these things are really important like Zahn is really important Jinx is really important where are they gonna go and and I think that's why Savika to me is like
3: super key to all of this I think you're hitting the nail on the head especially like with this I see Savika really as a foil to Jinx for silco yes. right there's are the two sides right he's got this this these responsibilities these ambitions right and his his kind of his general antagonism i suppose right you know his role as i'm the lord of the lanes now i'm the lord of the undercity and i'm going to get what i want and kill anyone who stands in my way and that's the antagonist in him but He's not just serving as an antagonistic force. he's not just written as the opposition to our heroes. We see inside his head and inside his insecurities and his flaws and his shortcomings so much and there are so many times where he it, the show is really written from his and from Jinx's point of view and that's part of why I think makes them such compelling villains is right they're not just these you know, monolithic forces of opposition. You know, there are ways in which we're kind of rooting for them too. I mean, obviously not to like kill Vi and Kate and, you know, kill Jace and and get all this stuff done, but like we're rooting for him against the Chem Barons. We're rooting for him against the uprising of, you know, the kind of the seedier elements of the underground, right? We sort of, in his own way, as long as it doesn't interfere with our main heroes, we sort of like are on Silko's side because and the we're oppression seeing... of
2: Piltovers and Forcers too.
3: Exactly, right? You know, we understand a lot of where he's coming from. It doesn't mean we have to agree but because we are inside his perspective because they are showing us his struggles and his failings right the way that he gives Jinx such preferential treatment I mean that kind of, that brings them into the fold right It's the sympathetic villain but you know it's not just showing us little glimpses into why they're doing what they're doing so that we're sympathetic. it's because it's part of the narrative right I, I think that is such a key thing is that the the, 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 the closeness. And the the openness with which these antagonistic characters are written is so inextricable from the rest of the story. Um, it's 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 really big, and Sivika is a big part of that. because you know the way that we see into what's going on in Silco, uh, and I think it's crazy, you know, after the first three episodes that they would make me ever root for Silco in anything, but they kind of did.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh... It's interesting because all the conflicts that Jinx and uh, Silco are dealing with are things that I guess uh, I think someone mentioned this at the beginning. I can't remember who, but are things we can relate to, like mental mental health issues, uh, anxiety, depression. For Silco, the juggling the responsibilities of being like a, a father versus doing like pursuing a dream that she once had when you were younger. All these things are things that we can really identify with and it makes us love and, and root for these villains even the, when they do all these terrible things. So yeah, I'm um, real sad that Silco is gone now. Uh, I, I am interested to see what they'll do uh, to further that kind of conflict in, in the next season. But I do want to talk a little bit about the art and the animation of this show because my God It is beautiful. Um, I apologies if I pronounce this incorrectly, but I think the studio that helped make this show is called For Kite. Fortiche. Fortiche. Okay. Yeah. Um, They're in France. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Former French speaker. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the they they're able to capture 3D animated characters in a way I've I've never seen before. It's it's almost, I want to say, it's not quite as big of a, a difference from like the typical 3D animated characters that Spider-Verse was, but it's a remarkable difference. You can see the way that they move, and the action in so many of the fight scenes is so clear and well-choreographed. I think one of my favorite fight scenes has to be at the end of episode 6 with the firelights. Just how mm-hmm. they zip and dance around and move through the air and like land on the ground that inherent knowledge of the weight of these characters how hard they hit the the flight of the bullets coupled with the colors of uh the the trails left on the the hoverboards and the pink of jinx's bullets. and also one thing before i pass it on uh the mixing of 2D and 3D art is amazing as well, because in so many scenes we'll have uh, a 3D modeled character like hit the ground and we'll see a puff of 2D smoke or see like 2D electrical lines arcing off of the, the hextech crystals. It's it's such a unique way to blend these two mediums that again I don't think we've seen since Spider-Verse. And we already talked at length at how beautiful that show is. But yeah, what did what do the rest of y'all think about the the art and the animation in the show?
3: Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it feels like the quality of the 3D, uh the the, the 3D Ness, right? The the three dimensions of all these character animations, in many ways feels sort of like it's achieving what rotoscoping should be. You know? Uh, in many ways feels like it's getting it's getting all that sense of weight and inertia and solidity behind them with none of these sort of weird kind of uncanny valley uh sense and none of these sort of kind of Im- implicative artistic like restriction of having to shackle themselves to imitating you know like doing doing realistic like hyper realistic sort of work because they are very clearly like animated they're very clearly stylized but in such a way that's uh feels so like full you know uh and and it's truly when you're talking about the difference between the 2d and the 3d animation uh i think that's like a great example of just like how how fleshed out the animation work is um because it's 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 not even just that there's these two different things used in tandem. It is seamless, right? Unless you are looking for it, unless you are paying very close attention, you will not notice. And I did not notice most of it the first uh time I watched any of the episodes, like the the, the parts where these these animation styles are are, are fused together. Uh I think the, the, the use of 3D and 2D animation in contrast is done very well, as particularly for the accent work on a lot of the animation. That's one of the things I love is that they're very willing to just throw in, you know, even when they're not going so far as to like completely step out of the mise-en-scene and do sort of something really kind of ridiculous. In a lot of the action sequences, they use a lot of like very little sort of 2D kind of emphasis lines, you know, like lines for, for movement and wind and impact. And, you know, as you said, little smoke, the electricity, stuff like that. Um, bullet trails, you know, particularly, uh, when combined with the use of color and you already mentioned the scene I was going to at the end of, um, the end of episode six, the one other thing I guess I'll say is that it's really gratifying to me that they seem to have a sense of just how beautiful their show is. Because in episode six, right, when we've got all these different shots of, you know, up close and personal and Jinx is swinging her gun around and Vi is, you know, like, bam, 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 scream flashing white as she punches people. There's the firelights taking sharp right turns and, you know, the green Tron trails and doing their like sort of, Funky physicality, um, which, by the way, they're anime like in in comparison to Polar Express last week, <laughs> the animation of the people, like the personability, how real they feel, it's like ooh baby. Um, but in amidst all that, where the very obvious choice is to stay up close and personal in these like direct in the middle of the fight kind of shots. That they take the time to show not once but twice, just zoom way the fuck out and show the entire uh like rock spire on which they are standing. And we just get a moment of distance from the fight to watch the flashing lights, the green trails, the purple bullet tracers, the like little like rising clouds of dust. They know how pretty their show is, and they are perfectly happy to let us just kind of like be awed by it from a distance before getting back into the nitty gritty and that i just ugh, 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 chef kiss amazing yeah i i mean i
4: could i could just go on mentioning more scenes that i really enjoyed i think the when when all those little insect robot things explode and all the enforcers die on the bridge that was some shit that was really well animated like that's great um I, this show abuses the hell out of dark settings with the, the glow and stuff, like neon light glow. <laughs> I am all for that shit. I eat that shit for breakfast. It is wonderful, and I love it. Uh, that aesthetic is so nice. Um, every time, Jinx has like an... Allu- or that one time where Jinx had that hallucination of the girl that she thought was Vi when they first fought the uh, Firelights, I think at the beginning of episode 4. That Six. shit was well animated. Right. Like that, you, You're like... Like the the it's the it's the I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a like a like a heartbeat thing. Where like like uh, as soon as you know the helmet is removed and she sees the pink hair, it's like that that image is superimposed on itself three times. But the top one is only like twenty percent opacity, and the one below it is like fifty percent opacity. Like, I you do you guys know what I'm talking about when yeah, I say yeah, that? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah okay yeah. cool. Um, I like just that I. It's great. Uh, like I, I think, uh, I think this was Iris. You said this about uh this being kind of the best animated work that you've seen since Spider Verse. I, I agree. I think no well, specifically,
3: specifically, I said it is the best use of animation. Of the, of I animation. think perhaps I've ever seen.
4: Yeah, I, I, I have to completely agree. with it. I don't think any any work besides Spider Verse really made me kind of, you know, see the 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 true kind of upper bound, the the ceiling of where the combination of two D and three D animation can go. And, uh, it's, it's really,
0: really one of a kind. All right. Well, uh, moving from the art and the animation, uh, I know we talked a little bit about the music already, but, uh, why don't we dive a little bit more into, uh, your thoughts on the music in this show. And I know Michael has a, um, something to say specifically about some of the music in, in the show so michael why don't you say your piece and we'll respond
2: all right i have a theory y'all um okay here's my theory i've been reading a lot of the the discourse about this (laughs) show and fair like with you know with the exception of some outliers because you know there will always be outliers it seems to me that the reception of this show ranges between great and masterpiece (laughs) And for me, I'm definitely at the Masterpiece end, but I also know some people who are at, this is, it's great. Like, you know, it's not like a Masterpiece, but it's great. I think Jess, you might fall more in that area, but you know, um, I firmly believe, and you know, now that I'm saying this, I'm probably gonna be proven wrong because I'll I'll hear what Jess has to say. But I firmly believe that where you sit on that spectrum of greats to Masterpiece depends on how much you like Imagine Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) so if you hate imagine dragons i could imagine this being a great show for you however if you love imagine dragons and you were okay with them literally being in the show this is a masterpiece and so for me i don't love imagine dragons but i'm like i think that's good I don't know why a lot of people are like, "Oh, I every time I need to skip, the, I need to press the skip intro button on Netflix." I'm like, "I I love the intro. I don't oh. know what I don't want people are I, talking I, about." I skip the
4: intro. Yeah, I mean,
2: you're, you're, you're really that scene. kind of person. Really and also a lot that, of you. That scene in episode six, which Five. One? Five. The one where Imagine Dragons is in the show. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> oh, that
3: just to me felt like a cheeky kind of like, "Oh yeah, hey, it's Imagine," you know. Right. So. Uh, I
2: really liked that scene <laughs> because, first of all, if y'all didn't know, but in in, uh, pre- in preparation for releasing this show, Imagine Dragons and League of Legends released a music video for that song, for um, Enemy. And that music video was fire. Like, literally, I'm, I'm fairly confident for Tish, the animation studio, they used none of the footage from the show. They made their own stuff for that music video, and it goes, it just goes so freaking hard. It's, um, you know, the whole concept of the song is about Jinx, and we get to see in the song, Jinx sort of, you know, doing her thing along with Vi and Echo and Milo and Clagger in the Undercity, and then we get these shots of, like, Jinx's internal struggles with her relationship with Vi, with her relationship with herself. And we see all of this like awesome, awesome visual storytelling in the freaking music video. And so when I was like, oh my God, they're doing it in the actual show. I was like, this is awesome. And then I also thought that they were able to use the song really, really in a really funny way. Just just for the fact that they're able to like uh, break your expectations. But they, 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 We thought the music video. We we thought the song was gonna continue, and then Vi just punches Savika in the face. Um, I thought that was really funny. Um, anyway, that is my theory. What do y'all think? I want to I want to hear from Jess because Jess was the one who said that this was a great show. What? What? What is? What are your thoughts on that? Do you like Imagine Dragons? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the important question.
1: Um. <laughs> Okay, Michael, I, I, I could not care less about the music. <laughs> like <laughs> okay. okay. So Imagine Dragons, okay, well, I have a preference for when I watch shows that I want the music that I'm listening to to be from artists that's less well-known personally, because when I hear something from somebody I know, all I can think is like, oh, I know that band. So to me, Imagine Dragons is a well-established band. That being said, I do think the music pairs really nicely with the show but i also think it would be completely idiotic for you to base whether or not you think the show is a masterpiece versus just great off the fact that it's a and dragons i mean sure maybe but like i don't think that's i think discussing just like being in this podcast and discussing everything that iris and michael marcus and alex has said has made me like be like oh my god the amount of okay animation is an obvious one but the amount of like the plot the character and the the uh like how every character is gray like there's uh, besides maybe vi and like she even even her she has like struggle between you know who her alliance is to but every single character in the show is so gray and it's insane how to get that depth and arc for every single character i think that is the masterpiece for me the only reason why it's like not like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It's like it's just probably the entertainment quality. Like in the last year, I think like I'm I'm that person who's like eh, it's Squid Game, right? Like it's Squid Game for me. Um, <laughs> it's not arcane, oh, but you show. <laughs> But like that's just like a personal level. I do now talking about it. I'm like wow, this this show is a masterpiece in terms of like how masterfully it's been crafted, and I think the plot hits. Um, the, sorry, not the plot, the character development hits home for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think Imagine Dragons really, like, teeters <laughs> me either one way or the other.
3: <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, particularly, and as far as the 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 point on Imagine Dragons and the music, I you said exactly what I was going to, which is that I think it fits the show really well. There's, a te- I think, a tendency with a lot of, you know, like, sort of medieval or steampunk-esque fantasies to, you know, have the music... Uh, have the soundtracking be sort of diegetic in a way, like music that you might actually hear in that universe, right? Uh, In particular, I'm thinking of like, um, especially like in video games, they'll do this, although that makes more sense, but uh, still there's sort of a, it's like very orchestral or very sort of... you know, this this almost quasi diagesis this like sort of like, hey, this might be, yeah, you know, like ramshackle, it's a wooden flute and, you know, little bongo you might hear on the corner and little, you know, stuff like that. I and mean, again, this show is like, eh, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's, you know, have uh, Imagine Fucking Dragons come by and play some music. Now, I don't know Imagine Dragons all that well. I, like, know of them. I know kind of what their sound is like, but I don't listen to them in my own time. So for me, it wasn't, like, kind of personally distracting that their music was there. But it felt so true to not, like, the the setting of the show, but to the narrative style of the show. Because Arcane is a show that is filled to the brim with gut punches and big, like, kind of, oh, shit moments and these kind of sharp juxtapositions with each other, just from like a storytelling perspective. And that's the way that the music is written. These big uh, sort of like, like strong bass, intense percussion, these sort of synthy vibes, you know, um, the the, the very, very big and very kind of like impact filled musical writing. Uh, And that's, I know kind of a bit, flowery and a bit of a you know metaphor to kind of stretch them and say that the music is written the same way that the show is but it does really feel to me like the the there's a similar sort of philosophy to the two of them you know i guess i guess what i'm trying to say if you want me to distill it down is that it feels like they're working from the same fundamental artistic preconceptions you know which I think is really like hard to do with something that is as at least at first glance, uh, you know, as far apart as like Imagine Dragons and steampunk. Uh, and and here's where we
0: might have our first disagreement in the show, because I, I didn't like a lot of the music video moments in this show. Um, Thank they, you. They kind of took me out of it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. A lot of the moments when they're like walking through, I think the first music video moment is when they're walking to the lanes, and they after they get off the elevator. Welcome to and the so, playground. Yeah, yeah, and some random dude starts singing. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, I guess this is happening right now. Um, I will say it's not my biggest gripe. Um, aside from taking me out of like the 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 atmosphere and the moment. But I, I can forgive it just because I think of all the, if, if this was the only cheesy part that Riot Games had to include into this uh, narrative, I'm willing to forgive it, even if it does take me out of the, out of the story a little bit. I will say on a rewatch, um, one moment that did fit a bit better uh, on, on a rewatch was Echo and Jinx's moment. The first time I saw it, I was like, what is what is happening right now? I okay, I guess we're like going into a rap verse song right now in the middle of this like dark, dank uh, bridge. But on the, on the second view around, it does make a little bit more sense. So I'll 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 concede that point.
3: And this Michael, I think is where I would agree with your earlier point. I think how you feel about the music can influence the show in general, not whether or not you like it imagine dragons but whether or not the presence of imagined dragons yes. pulls you out of the narrative that,
2: that was my main point yes
3: which for me it did not and that's a very me personal did. thing and if you know for you alex if it did i can totally understand how that might be like oh and it's, it, if it interrupts the flow of the story i can imagine how that might impact your kind of overall opinion of the show and, and I think it's it's a very small...
4: As, as Alex and, and Iris, you guys said, it's a very small thing. Like, it's more just kind of a personal thing of how you how you accept music from your real life ending up in a fantasy show that is decidedly not real life, you know? Um, for me, I, I don't really think Imagine Dragons is even that good as, like, a pop. Like, they're kind of, like... They're kind of on the downturn as far as pop bands go, you know? It's just, like... I like I, am. <laughs> I think... I think that Iris your point about the sound being very true to Arcane's kind of artistic vision is is definitely very apt. I think that Imagine Dragons does feel like it fits at least a lot better than say like uh, Ed Sheeran and Game of Thrones or something, you know. Um, but and, and the other thing I'll have to say is that aside from the, the the music video moments, like those songs, I think the actual composed soundtrack for the show, is really really good, uh, like the 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 action music that plays during like most of the fight scenes, especially during the firelight's uh, fight scene. I think it what was in the end of episode six or something. This shit's great. Like you're, the, the, these guys are they they know how to kind of I like. There's fantasy elements to it very clearly. There's also some minor steampunk influence to it, but it's. It almost feels like the kind of music that you might listen to if you were in a heated battle in, for my case, Dota, but for other people's case, League of <laughs> Legends. Like, I feel like you could make an argument for that at least. Maybe my my music taste kind of flows into that. I do like that kind of orchestral stuff more than most people, but uh, I was very Im- impressed overall with the music quality, as I have as I have been impressed with a lot of the other things about this show.
2: Yeah, I wanted to clarify something for for those who haven't played League or weren't in the scene. First of all, actually, let me clarify my own point. Iris, you nailed nailed it on the head for what my feelings on this were, was that the reason I mentioned Imagine Dragons specifically is because, at least in my opinion, that specific music video was the most jarring of all of the music videos. For me personally, I think that literally all of them, except for that one, fit perfectly in the moments in which they were happening. That one was just a little bit of, they kind of had to put that in there. And let me explain why. For those who haven't played League, uh, League of Legends has a world championship series called Worlds, similar to Dota's uh, TI. And what they have done since I think something like 2012 or 2014 is they've always made a music video to hype up stuff for Worlds. Imagine Dragons was one of the first bands to make that music video. They made a music video for a song called Warriors in which they sung on. Mainly because Imagine Dragons plays League of Legends. That's why that happened.
4: (laughs) Wait, actually? Yes, actually. Now I understand. Now the pieces have come together. (laughs) Yes. So they had
2: Warriors. They had uh, Rise, I believe, which is fire, by the way. Um, And uh, a couple other things that they've been in, they've been in two worlds at some point, they performed live at worlds, they performed Warriors and Rise there, Warriors has become, Warriors and Rise for a lot of people are like the best music videos, except for KDI, KDA, I guess, um, that League has produced, and so Imagine Dragons and League are like, they're they're tied together, which is why they've put Imagine Dragons in this, just to clarify that. Ultimately, though, all of your opinions are completely valid. And that's what I mean, is that I think that the difference between this show being an amazing show and a masterpiece for someone is whether or not they accepted the non-diegesis of the music videos going in.
0: All right. Well, well, real quickly, let's go over our thoughts about the ending, because we do have an unprecedented two sections from Michael to round up this episode. But yeah, uh, lightning round. What did you all think about the ending? I'm this is
2: leaning back into my music video thing because the ending is phenomenal and that music the music video, the the song, um, what could have been lit by Sting, by the way, if you didn't know that.
4: Oh, didn't know is
2: one of the one of the also like might be my second or third best mode of the show. There's so many great moments. But holy crap, that ending with their entire exchange at the table. One thing I want to mention also is that someone pointed this out to me, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. When they did the whole stunt of Jinx coming with uh, the cupcake (laughs) and the gemstone on top, and, like, I paid your girlfriend to visit, I made her a snack. Like, obviously, they knew exactly what they were doing. But because, like, a lesser show would have gone forward with that, in my opinion. Because of the fact Jinx was like, I'm not that crazy. Like, that in and of itself shows the complexity of jinx's character and is not like a one-note complete crazy person like someone like harley quinn would be in something like suicide squad right i know that harley quinn has been sort of, sort of somewhat more fleshed out in, in movies like birds of prey and obviously in the comics but like you know in that in the her starting movie she was kind of just like i am bonkers for bonkers sake um anyway what i wanted to mention specifically was the the like almost like a stage framing i don't even know how to specifically say it but like the camera work maybe it's a better way to cinematography cinematography good good idea of the reveal that jinx shot silco right spoilers like there are so many details in there showing actual characterful actions in that short five like 10 to 15 second scene like silco gets out he he starts to shoot the thing jinx is doing this whole bit with with vi and like you can tell that Silco... At least this is my headcanon. That Silco is telling Vi to stop. Because she knows... Sorry. Silco knows that Vi is, like... Is, like... Is being hurt by all of this... All of this remembering of her past. Like, Silco and Jinx have kind of... Suppre- has tried to, at least, suppress all of these underlying... Tra- all of this underlying trauma. And Vi is bringing it back to the surface. And so, like, Silco is being like, No, you... Like, stop. You're hurting her. And so... You can tell... Silco, I thought. I initially thought, and a lot of people thought, was that was that Silco was trying to shoot Jinx because Vi was like turning her or something. But no, Silco was shooting Vi, and you can tell because of the way that the bullet, um, like scorches Vi's sh- shoulder as well as. Well, first of all, th- like there's there's so much going on, and yet there is all of this detail to know exactly what happened and why. And I think that that's why that ending is so awesome It might be one of the best ending scenes of a series that i've ever seen and then they go into the music of um freaking i i literally just forgot the, what it is the called. sting song the sting song thank you oh <laughs> uh, what could have been exactly um and the first line of the song as she sits down in the chair or at least she's getting up from the jinx chair is i am the monster you created and i'm like I, the, the first time that hit me i'm like Oh, fuck! Oh, no! It's it's too good! I can't... It's too good.
3: So, one of the things I most love when talking about kind of this ending confrontation, right, between Silco, Vi, and Jinx, is... I actually I, I read a post on the arcane subreddit from a, a psychologist or a, someone who had worked in mental health, like talking about sort of the conflict that's been going on inside Jinx, right? These kind of two warring identities and the way that is just so much crystallized by her putting out these two chairs. You can have me be Vi, or you can, or so you can have me be Jinx, or you can have me be Powder, right? And there is this war kind of going on inside her of, you know, the the wanton and, you know, destructive, bloodlusty, like insane maniac killer versus the scared and sad and abused and traumatized and abandoned little girl who never really got to grow up and never dealt with any of the awful things that happened in her life in such a short succession. And it, at various points during, you know, the latter six episodes of the show, we kind of see Jinx inhabit both, although the former much more than the latter. But I think of like when Jinx and Vi met in person for the first time, and suddenly she was almost powder again. She was almost powder again. When she was like, Vi, I had to things changed when you left. I changed. And her voice is cracking, you know, suddenly feeling a remorse that, you know, we don't really see her do much anymore. There's this whole thing of she's got these two sides warring. And I think this ultimate kind of coming down on one side that she, you know, everything that happens and she is like frayed and pulled every which way and something in her snaps. And she finally just has to accept that, yes, I am the monster here and I am choosing to be that. I am choosing intentionally with my full mind to be this person now rather than sort of fighting my own nature, my own identity from both angles. It's very powerful. And I think ultimately the the, the arc of Powder from episode one to Jinx at that moment is is such a... It's such a well-crafted long game, long progression. Um, I think it's it's just so immensely satisfying, even though it is tragic. Even because it is tragic, it is why it is such a satisfying conclusion to that, because, like, yes, this is the story of how it all happened. Of course it is. How could it have happened any other way? And then just, of course, to twist the knife, the, the, the missile in the council, the second that they decided to vote for Zahn's independence. Like, oh, what could have been? What could have been? Uh, I think, what is... Uh, there's some quote about, you know, the, the of of all the words of voice or pen, the saddest are these. It could have been. That's a quote from somebody. Dang. I don't remember okay. who.
0: Uh, the only thing I'm going to add is I really like the, the uh, conflict between Silco and Vi at the end. Vi wants Jinx to be who she was, whereas Silco has accepted Jinx because she has changed, and the fact that Vi can't accept Jinx to be different than what she knew her as a kid is what pushes over the edge. Oh, yeah, just so great. I was uh, never
2: going to give you to them. Don't cry. <laughs> you're perfect. Every cry time.
0: every time. Cry every time. Cry every time. Uh, all right, but Michael, please take us away.
2: Okay, yes, yeah, so as Alex. Uh, Alex uh, said earlier. Before we have two of our returning segments going on. We have the trivia corner, and right afterwards we will have our ther- theory wall. Uh, the trivia corner should be shorter than normal, so let's just get right into it. Um, there are. There, uh, I'm going back and forth. We're not doing like, um, you know, all everyone answers one question. It's going to be two teams. First team is going to be Team Jess, Marcus, and Iris, aka those who do not know anything <laughs> oh. about League,
0: <laughs> and Team Two is going
2: to be Alex, who knows at least the most here about League, other than myself, oh, of Oh, no. So, let us start with Team Jess, Marcus, and Iris, which I'm going to be calling Team A. Here's your first question. Name me all of the champions that are in Arcane. So, I'm to und- qualify, <laughs> well, okay, to qualify, they must have a speaking line and must be 100% confirmed to be named as their champion.
3: So, so you're saying not the person who is strongly theorized to be around because there's crows everywhere, but whose name Alex wouldn't tell me. Correct. Okay. Uh, well, Heimerdinger, yeah, that's one. Um, uh, Echo is one. Uh, we have Jace. We have uh, Victor. We have Vi and Caitlyn. That's is five. Caitlin, five.
1: Is Caitlyn a... Caitlyn's Caitlin Caitlin, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh,
3: 100%. Echo, Echo is a six. Uh, Echo, we have Singed. Yep. Uh, Singed is a champion. Um, how many like are there supposed to be <laughs> i don't know off the top of my head oh that's that's kind of the point of the question Jeremy. By oh i could give a hint singed. oh jinx did we say jinx no we, we did say jinx. we did say jinx yeah why caitlin jinx
4: let's let's go through this so mel's mom is not a champion Mel is not a champion. You're gonna say every single character in the show. <laughs> well,
3: I'm gonna try and go through
4: the characters that you might think are champions. Did we say but aren't Jace? Champions. Yes, we just said say Jace. Jace. Um, yeah. So
3: how many of you said so far? Seven. Uh, I think seven. I, I'm not sure. My count might have been off. So I'm gonna have, do it again. Yeah. Go ahead. Five and Jinx. Yeah. and Jinx. Caitlyn, Jace, Victor, Heimerdinger, Singed, Echo. So that's eight. Echo. That is eight. I didn't count right. Jinx. I'll
2: stop it there. Th- that is correct yeah uh, honestly i didn't think you were gonna get singed he's literally not named in the entire show except in the subtitles which is hilarious <laughs> but we um, watch with subtitles yeah. on and also alex go. told me that he was <laughs> in the show yeah also, there we his, go
3: his
4: face
2: literally gets
3: singed it, it really... <laughs>
2: exactly i was wondering why he's why he's called singed and stuff um all right so that is one point for team a
3: i love how the person with the a name is the
2: only one not on team a yeah <laughs> all right so this question is for you alex What is the official in-game name for Jinx's ultimate ability? Okay, it's a multiple choice. (laughs) A. Hyperactive Hextech Missile. (laughs) B. Boom, boom, pow, pow. (laughs) C. Super Mega Death Rocket. D. Mega Awesome Explosion Bomb. And they all have exclamation points, by the way. Uh, I know the answer to
0: this one. It is Super Mega Death Rocket. Correct.
2: Boo Are you good. serious?
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> what the heck? Did you
4: make up the other names, Michael? Yeah, of course. Actual... Okay. Oh, I thought they, they felt like they could have been names yeah, of other abilities. I, I was I like,
2: I i made a boom, boom, pow, pow, because that's what she calls herself. She calls herself pow, pow <laughs> um, in the game. Oh. Anyway. All right. Next question for Jess, uh, Marcus, and Iris. Which of these league champions is actually shown in the show, albeit not actually in the show? Okay. A Ash the Frost Archer. B Timo the Swift Scout. C Garen the Might of Demacia, Or D Morgana the Fallen.
4: I don't think it's Timo because Timo is a meme. That is all. Okay, I but but
3: I feel like I remember Alex saying something about Timo when we were watching the show. Yeah, maybe that Timo is a meme. He's the equivalent of techies. Like <laughs> I love how, like, if someone doesn't play either of those two games, that's going to mean nothing. <laughs> I think
1: it's I think it's B.
3: B was which one?
1: The scout.
3: Teemo? That was Timo, yeah. Oh, I, it's... it's two votes for Timo.
1: Yeah, let's do Timo. Let's do B.
3: I've, I've been
2: democratically outvoted, so we're going with B, Timo. That is correct. Hey! Uh, so he is specifically shown in the children's book that is flipped through in Marcus the Enforcer's daughter's bedroom. I remember. Yes. That is, Alex that is very, good.
3: very good. Honestly, Alex is like getting half of these for us, <laughs> like from the past. Yeah.
2: Okay, Alex, this will be hard for you. Oh, no. So did you know, funnily enough, that the champion that had just released when I started playing League was Jace? Did you know that? Oh, huh. Yeah. So here's the question. Who of these Zonites was the first champion to be released after launch? And he was indeed the first champion, okay? A is Warwick, B is Singed, C is Twitch, and D is Dr. Mundo.
0: Oh god, alright. Who the fuck? <laughs> so, the, so backstory, all of these are terribly, terribly old champions. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll give you
2: somewhat of a hint. The game released with 17 champions. Don't know Al, that was that, that
0: a, a good was. hint? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought it was some trivia. Uh, okay, so I don't think it's Dr. Mundo. I don't think it's Warwick. Um, it's got to be either Singed or Twitch. Um, I feel like Twitch had a blocky enough sprite that he was alpha. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Singed because Singed was my main. That is correct. Yes. Oh my God.
2: Um. my So funnily enough, Warwick was released in the initial 17. Um, and then literally the first champion they released after that was singed. Like yeah. two months after the game came out. It's crazy. Alright, for Team A, this little question or this segment I'm going to be calling Piltover or Zaun. <laughs> for each of these champions, which region are they most associated with?
0: Oh god, this is so And mean. this is
2: going to lean more into the game and the background lore than the show, by the way. So, so we're guessing. Let's start easy. And I'm going to do these uh, all in a row, and I'll tell you which ones you got right at, got right at the end, okay? So, Jace. Piltover. Piltover. Okay. Jinx. Zahn. Zon.
1: Piltover. No, Zon. Oh, We have a disagreement. No.
2: Okay, Zahn. Zon. Vi. Piltover.
1: Piltover. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, What are you talking
2: she about? Was, no, Zahn. Obviously, Zahn. was born Zon.
4: in the other City. But, she was but born in the... Most... Most most associated with she
1: Pil- she has piltover. team
3: ups with Caitlyn and Caitlyn is Piltover yeah
1: piltover I okay piltover. this is
3: a better she was born in the undercity she's on the side of the undercity no, but like but her parents were arc- coming. no but she's, she's not on the other side of the Undercity. city she's she's she, she's definitely not on the side of the enforcers she's working like she's, she's literally trying like to... a girlfriend with Caitlyn what are you talking about? yeah but they're not like working michael with michael said the the start started out
1: easy <laughs> This should be Piltover. This
3: is this is a matter of interpretation. She's you, absolutely you not have been not un- democratically Piltover. voted out. Okay, as. fine. <laughs> I have.
2: <laughs> okay, next, Blitzcrank, the Great Steam Golem. Oh shit!
3: I uh, that um, sounds like Piltover. I I know. Hold on, hold on. I think he's the if he's the equivalent of his Dota, you know, like the ripoff from Dota, then. He's sort of like a like a tinkerer mechanic person who put a bunch of like broken contraptions together and made a suit of armor or something like that. Um, this is so fun. This is I, yeah, yeah, Piltover makes sense. It screams hex to
4: me either way. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do any right. input?
1: Sure, Piltover, Yeah.
2: Okay. Next is Janna, the Storm's Fury. Oh, I forgot what. I know,
1: on I, this like
3: one surprised me. me also. No, that sounds like a
2: mage.
4: Yeah, that doesn't sound like it fits in either, to be completely honest.
2: I will tell you, she is associated with one of them.
4: I, I was would surprised over as well. I, it sounds like two Piltover votes. I kind of wanted to say Zon here, just to be a little bit uh,
2: contrarian. Um, I say
1: Zahn.
2: All right. Okay. So that's uh on. Next is Oriana, the Lady of Clockwork.
1: Dude, that's definitely a Piltover. Like, <laughs> they
4: yeah, all Piltover. sound like Piltover to me, Screams but not, like... that, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, nobody does. Piltover. Her name
1: sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going with Piltover for
2: that one.
3: Yeah, yeah. I guess. Okay,
2: Ezreal, the Prodigal Explorer.
3: Oh, that's totally on. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. on. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> Um, next is Camille the Steel Shadow.
1: Zon. I want
3: yeah, that's, I to that's say That blade in the dark, knife in the dark kind of person.
2: Yeah. Okay. And lastly, Urgot the Dreadnought.
1: <laughs> Zon. The
3: Dreadnought?
2: The Dreadnought. Wait a minute. I
3: don't know. That seems over to me. Like they built a weapon of war I and it became to, Sentient.
2: I want to say Piltover too,
4: oh, honestly.
1: All right, Piltover. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, oh I can tell you, you did get majority correct. So, you do get this point. Hey. Just barely. So, let's go through it. Jace, yes, of <laughs> course, he's from Piltover. Jinx is from Zahn. In the game, Vi is is most associated with Piltover. So you got hey, that right. That's what we yes! said, right? She's she yes! an enforcer. She's an actual enforcer whoa, in the game. Right. Oh, oh, what I said. Whoa. Hey, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Okay, next Kayson's is really Blitz. really in that shit. Uh, Blitzcrank, he is from Zahn. Because and I don't. This might be a spoiler. Um, he he is he is actually just a robot. Wait, wait. This is a spoiler,
0: Michael. This is I know it's.
2: I know it's a spoiler. He's a robot and he's powered by something that happens in Zon. So I'll I'll just leave it at that. Um. Next is Janna. So she's like a. She is from Zon, actually, as you all said. Is now she's sorry. She's not from Zon, but she is associated with Zon because she has like kind of, and like she's she's become this sort of like um. This like saint to the Zonites, like they are. They see her as this like savior for the downtrodden. It's it's very weird. Okay, next is Oriana. Technically, in the game, she's more associated with Piltover, which doesn't make any sense to me. But she's from Piltover technically. We guessed that right
1: too. We guessed that yeah. right. Yeah.
2: Ezreal is from Piltover, not Zon. The, the, Camille is shadow? from. Uh, no, no Ezreal is boring. the prodigal explorer.
4: Oh, the prodigal explorer.
2: for Camille is also from Piltover okay, not Zaun that's, that's because she's like a, she's like one, a member of a great house but is also like a hired not a Sacks like but like like a bounty hunter kind of thing oh okay um and she so she goes into Zaun and fights like all the people like jin and stuff um and then Urgot is not from not from uh Piltover he's from Zaun if you would see his artwork you would know he's from Zaun he is like this crab guy with like this, like, face mask that, like, puts gases into his thing and he has a giant chainsaw. Anyway, it's yep. weird. But y'all did get five out of nine correct, so you get a point. Very well done, Nice. Too. All right, Alex. This one's called Match the Ability. Oh, God. I'm going <laughs> to give you a name of a champion and a name of one of their abilities. You have to tell me if it's their Q, W, E, or R,
3: okay? Uh, this is so... Oh, my God. That's so is... brutal.
2: Yeah. Uh, Alex, ready? Okay. Okay, Jax, the Grandmaster at Arms, Grandmaster's Might.
0: Um ugh, Is that his ultimate R? That is correct. Okay. Next is Kha'Zix, the Void Reaver. Taste their fear. I think that I think that's where he turns invisible, so I think that's his W.
2: That is incorrect.
0: Damn it's it. It's his Q. Okay. Um,
2: Udir, the Spirit Walker, Bear stance. <laughs> okay, I know this one. It's E. <laughs> it is E, that's right. You did you played a lot of Udir, didn't you? I did. Uh for reference, everyone else. His abilities is Q is Tiger Stance, his W is turtle stance, his E is bear stance, and his R is Phoenix stance. So Um Next is zillion the Chrono Keeper, Rewind.
0: Uh um Is that his R? Incorrect, that is
2: his W. His R is Shift. Oh, okay. Alright, so you're two for two right now. Okay. Last one is Kog'Maw, the Mouth of the Abyss, Bio-Arcane Barrage.
0: Okay, I. this sounds like his Artillery Barrage, so I'm gonna say his R. That is incorrect, <laughs> unfortunately. His
2: R is called Living Artillery. Ugh. Bio-Arcane Barrage is his W. Okay. It's the one where he, like, uh, really... Increases his attack speed or whatever.
0: Uh, rigged.
2: Rigged. Hey, All right, hey, so hey, team hey. A has won the trivia quarter. Woo-hoo!
3: And listeners, if there's anyone listening to this who like knows what we mean when we talk about a video game character having a R, <laughs> like email email the podcast email account, best at gmail dot com and like I don't know, you'll win a you you'll win a prize. So, of suggest some sort. our next episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would be very impressed, because this is a real deep dive.
2: (laughs) Yep. All right, and the last segment we have, we have a theory wall. I have four theories. I'm going to put one onto each of you. Specifically, I'm going to give Alex a specific one, because no one will ever know what we're talking about. (laughs) That's great. You will give me an answer, and when this show is over, we will see if you were correct. If you were, you will get a point. If you were wrong, I will get a point, so I can win this game. (laughs) (laughs) but it is a future game um so let's start with uh jess can you give me a, a number between one and three three all right so your theory is or not your theory but your question is after jinx fires her super mega death rocket at the council at the very end of the show who in the council chambers will survive if any and I have here all eight candidates that were in the council chambers. There is Jace, Victor, Mel, and then the rest of the council, Mrs. Kiriman, Hoskell, who is the puzzle box guy, Balbok, who is the guy with the mechanical voice, Shula, who is the woman with those spinning gears, and Solo, who is the last one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing not the last one. <laughs> um, the clock dude. I don't, I feel like Victor, Mel, and Jace all have to live, right? Okay. Like, yeah, I think they all have to live. Is that it? Uh, do they, do either, do any of them not have to live for the, for season two? Like,
2: that's, that's the question.
1: I want Victor to live. Maybe Victor will die. No, Victor will live. Um, Yeah, Mel, Jace, and Victor will all live. 100%.
2: Okay, and and the rest will die?
1: Um uh, I think Clock Dude will live and <laughs> Bald Lady will live.
2: Bald Lady. That's the gear, <laughs> that's, the <laughs> that's the that mark. is gear the puzzle. Lady. Oh sh- well,
1: shit. Well there's the, um, there's
2: the I think she meant the, the automaton. Oh, the puzzle one. box guy with the Puzzle box guy. Okay, yeah.
1: And cool. clock lady. All right.
2: All right, so Jess believes that oh, actually I'll go over this at the end. All right. Uh let's go with Marcus. Give me a number between 1 and 2, please. What? one okay your theory is vander is alive yes or oh,
4: no yeah yeah come on i feel like we had this discussion with the last theory wall where, where we were discussing like whether or not like even if like even if you could even conceive whether or not you wanted to bring a character back is it wise for the show to bring this character back when their death has already had the profound impact that it needed to have for the events of the show to go on you know good question
2: Wait, um, does
1: Alex knowing having played League, does he know? the answers We have to
2: theories on what this. No, I don't think so. But we have oh. theories on. What we'll, Vander, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. Uh no, Vander stays dead. All right. So Marcus says no for Vander is not alive.
3: Uh, Alex can can tell you after the first act, after the first three episodes. My my wild called shot was that he was going to come back like in two or three episodes later and he was like being you know imprisoned and like drip fed shimmer to be like just a mindless beast but
4: oh you're not far off interestingly though i have seen a i have seen a theory that he is a league champion but not like a league champion that looks like him like he gets changed to become like a, a, a like a what is it like a like a well, wolf we'll like a werewolf
2: like? Yeah, we'll have okay, to see. wait if a the second though, because this Warwick is not something totally ever because, go into the
3: show. Because this is something Alex told me is that Singed was a guy who made another champion into yeah. a werewolf, and
2: at the, also at the ending montage, we actually see some wolf claws at, at Singed's ceiling. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what those oh. are. Anyway, oh. anyway, all right. Well, so
4: e- either way. The, the man formerly known as Vander is
2: dead.
3: The artist <laughs> formerly oh. known as Vander. All right.
2: Uh, Iris, I'm so glad you got this question. All
3: right. Hit me with it.
2: Will Vi and Caitlin get together specifically
3: oh. in season two? Oh, okay. Because yes. so, the question is not whether or not they'll get together. Exactly. Like, it's about Obviously, well. obviously they're going to get together. Yes. Like, I, we didn't even really talk about the LGBT representation in this show, <laughs> but like, good God, is it satisfying? Ugh. Ugh. Uh, in season two, I have to say yes, if only because my gay little heart will not be able to take (laughs) it. No, I fully agree. Uh, and also it feels like they've, they've done too much buildup, right? They've done too much buildup to like, have it be dragged out for another nine episodes. Like, good God. Uh, so yeah, firm yes.
2: Cool. Yeah. All right, Alex, this is your question. All right. We have currently deeply explored and seen the cities of Piltover and Zaun. And with the passing mention of Noxus, what will be the next area of Runeterra to be explored or shown? Ooh. I have some candidates here. Okay. There is, of course, the continent they're currently on, Valoran, which contains Piltover, Zon, and Noxus, as well as, as the frozen lands of Freljord and the kingdom of Demacia. There is, of course, Shurima, and there is Ionia... And of course, there are these other places known as Bandle City, aka Home of the Yordles for anyone who's
0: curious, and Bilgewater. Do we think we'll go to any of those anytime soon? Ooh, I think just based on marketability, we're going to go to Ionia next and yes. possibly see Noxus invade Ionia. I really want big, to see the invasion of Ionia. That that's would that's be a big awesome. lore thing. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I- I'm calling Ionia.
2: All right. All all right, so to go over the theories we have, Jess believes that Jace, Victor, Mel, Hoskell, and Shula will survive in the council, and Mrs. Kiriman, Bulbock, and Salo will die. I
1: feel like my chances of getting my point is much lower. (laughs) (laughs)
3: We'll give you partial credit. We'll give you a part Yo, if friends. if Miss dies, oh god, <laughs> Caitlyn's yeah. like. Yeah,
2: that's exactly normal. Uh, Marcus believes that Vander is not dead and will stay dead or at le- the very least the person we know as Vander will be completely gone. Thank you. Iris believes that Vi and Caitlyn will get together in season 2, not be not not beyond we won't have to we won't have to wait any longer. I would I would want that to happen as well, please.
3: A more appropriate verb is demands. Iris demands that Caitlin and Vi get together in season two. Yes.
2: And of course, Alex believes um, that Ionia will be a place that we'll be visiting very soon, as it is related very much to the world of Noxus. All right. That is our theory wall. We will see who wins later on. (laughs) It's two years years down the line. In the (laughs) nebulous future.
0: Yes. Uh, All right. Well, That'll do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Jess, for joining us and giving your uh, n- much-needed wisdom to our show. Uh, but this week's uh, video that you can watch on YouTube related to um, to the show we watched, Arcane. Michael, I guess I think you can guess which one I'm talking is about. It KDA. No, <laughs> it is oh. the. Mu- uh music video get jinxed okay yeah that works um by riot games because it was the first uh video made by fortiche uh for riot games and i think it's like it was the inspired idea for yeah. this show so go check it that also
2: out. it's also in the show if you'll if you'll it, yes, it is yes diegetically
0: yes uh but what's hilarious to,
2: get... to me because jinx would have had to write that song at some point that's amazing
0: <laughs> Uh, But once again, thank you so much for listening, folks, and you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you.